Hey guys, today on the podcast, we have Mark Brown, children's author of the book Zen Pig, which has 12 titles out now, all about helping children navigate the world of mental health, gratitude, and being Zen. This book helps children and parents when it comes to self-reflection, navigating this world, and making hard topics seem simple. So today's episode really focuses on how we can help our children navigate this crazy world of labels, politically correctness, and how men specifically deal with these struggles when it comes to extreme feminism, being raised in this world of masculine versus feminine energy, and how we really get back to source by investing in ourselves. It was a very energetic, inspiring, and uplifting podcast, so I hope that you enjoy. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Thank Your Pain podcast, where we take the painful moments in our lives and find the lessons and blessings in them. And today we are super blessed to have Mark Brown here with us. I found Mark on Instagram uh, because peculiarly, wow, however you say that word, I found him and he's an author of a children's series for like all about mental health. And I thought, wow, that is so fantastic, so beautiful. And I was like, do you want to be on my podcast so that we can talk more about this? Because as we dive into this, you will find out that this was never the game plan for him. And so thank you so much for coming on, Mark, today. No, are you kidding? I am so grateful to be here. I am so grateful to be here. Oh my gosh. (laughs) So I, I just really have to know like right away, like why did you write the children's book if it was never in the game plan? Oh, it definitely wasn't in the game plan. Trust me. Um, so when I had my son Noble, um, that's when I, I had just started my inner journey a couple years before. And like, I was such a miserable toad from like the ages of like 14 to 24. And when I had my kid, I was like, Oh my God, like, dude, you had so much self-imposed suffering And I had never even heard the word gratitude, mindfulness, and all the other, you know, high vibe words and and vernacular. And I was like, dude, I want you to learn these things way before I did. Like, save your ass a decade of self-imposed suffering. You know what I mean? So I wrote it for my son initially. That is amazing. I love how you said you have so much self-imposed suffering because that's also how I came about my healing journey as well. And to save people time, but I... I think that's so amazing because also you said your son is about nine years old now, right? Right. He is. When did you publish the book? So this was 2015 when it was published. Uh, so, so kid was like two when it came out. Did you read him the book? Oh, hell yeah. Like the only reason, like I wrote it for him, you know, like when you go to like, uh, the art store and they have like these sketch pads or whatever, like I literally wrote it on one of those sketch pads and gave it to him or whatever. And like, I, you know, I've been in masterminds for a long time and I took it to my mastermind because they have kids too. And I was like, what do you guys think about this? Because my son seems to really vibe on it. You know what I mean? And they're like, oh shit, I want that for my kids. And so they said, okay, well in 30 days, you have to have that made into a book. And uh, I was like, oh my God, I have no background in that. I have no publishing knowledge. I don't know what the fuck to do. I was a writer and director for healthcare commercials. So it's like, I don't, I don't know how to do that. Right. So like, I, uh, I mean, that's the point of a mastermind is like people set you set some goals for you and you got to crush them, whether you know how to do it or not, it doesn't matter. So anyway, I did that 30 days later 
and I uh, brought them each a copy of the book. They handed me money uh, and they're like, well, guess what? In 30 days, it better have a website and on sale. And so that's what happened. <laughs> Crazy. Wow. Wow. That's yeah. fantastic. What a way to validate your concept. I know. No shit. I was like, wow, this is crazy. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And I like, seriously, like seven years later now, I'm like, man, thank God I was in a mastermind. Cause I, that shit would have stayed on a sketch pad. You know what I mean? Like, wow. So two things in that. So number one, what do you think the, the value is of parents teaching their kids about mental health? It's, it's a no brain. It's like, I'm baffled every day. The fact that we push ABCs, one, two, threes, academics, academics, academics. Like that's great. And I have full faith in academics. I believe in academics, X, Y, Z. But if you don't pair that with how to navigate and nurture in healthy inner world, it means nothing. It means nothing. You can have every status symbol. You can have every zero in your checking account. You can have everything. But if you don't know how to navigate and nurture a healthy inner peaceful world, you're fucked, period. Hard stop. I don't care. I mean, we all know how that goes. We all know the, the people that reach apex and apogee of celebrity and status and fame and money. And they are absolutely, they're, they're non-functional because they don't, they haven't nurtured that way of being. So like, it's, it's just like, it's prerequisite to life. It's, it's prerequisite. It's step fucking one. Okay. So then that being said, what if the parent doesn't have good mental health? Will this book help their child? Oh, totally. It, absolutely. It will, because that is going, because I get this a lot when people talk about, well, how, what's the age group of Zimpig? And I always say, it's just like Legos. It's ages zero to 99. The older you are, the more you're going to glean from it. So these conversation starters for a child can actually have like a, a, um, a reflecting situation happen to the parent. You know what I mean? Like, Oh God, like, it is that simple when you just cut away all the bullshit and, and all the, you know, it's, it's just really simple, evergreen values and concepts. And, and once you make it very concise like that, I think it's just like a, oh, yeah, I can pick something to be grateful for today. Totally. I love that your book helps parents as well as, as well as the children when it's like, so they help me, they help me. <laughs> I mean, I wrote the thing, man. And so it's like, I need it. I need those reminders just as much as anybody else. But my question is you were already on a mental health journey. If someone is not sure. on a mental health journey. And the only reason I'm, I'm pushing you on this is because sure. uh, I'm trauma informed. And the thing that sure. we do a lot in this happens in schools, like the kid is erratic, right. Running around, we, we label them with like ADHD as a bad kid as, you know, and, and it goes to the parents and then everybody like looks at the child as a problem when usually the environment that they're growing up in is really dysfunctional. And so we say, Hey, here's this book, learn about mental health and fix it. When the parents are dysregulated. Um, I just want to be clear on that. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's not a book that is read this once and you are healed. It's not a, it's not that, but it is something that it is a catalyst. It's a conversation starter. That's what it actually is. Love so that. whether that's a catalyst for the child, for the parent or for both, I mean, that's, that's the best I can do is like, Hey, does this interest you? Does this feel good when you read it? Maybe you want to start digging a little bit more. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I love that. I love that. It's a catalyst. Yeah. So that being said, let's rewind a little bit. What were you doing before 
your mental health journey that kind of spurred you into I'm creating my own self-suffering. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. So like I was a total status chaser. Like I was in, I went to film school, did that whole thing. I wanted to make Transformers, Star Wars, XYZ, wanted to be, you know, the director, blah, blah, blah. And like, you know, it just was really not fulfilling. Like, you know, like I would get a contract or whatever. It'd be the biggest one yet. Doesn't matter, blah, blah, blah. And I'm still fucking miserable. It's like, okay, cool. And you know, like that really, uh, hits home. I mean, that, I mean, that's something that when you close the door at night and you lock the door and you are by yourself and you're like, Oh shit, like, doesn't matter. (laughs) So, um, yeah, so that's, that's what I was chasing. I was chasing all of those things because I thought that they would fulfill me. I thought that they were guaranteed eternal state changes. Do you know what I mean? And they're not, they're fleeting. So what was the one thing that you were like, I, I have to do something different. So that actually happened when my, um, my stepbrother passed away at 21 on a motorcycle accident. And like, I had already had like tingles of like, mm, almost like nihilistic thought processes. Right. And so, um, when that happened, shocker, like that, I just like, was like a punch in the gut. And I was like, Oh shit. Like, Oh man, this is for real temporary. This ain't a fucking game. You know, like, So I think that was like my, my reality check, like, oh shit, this is temporary. Oh, am I actually just going to be okay with being fucking miserable and chasing these things that are like cotton candy? You know what I mean? It's like, oh my God, that tastes really good for a second. And then it dissolves. Like, that's what all of these things are. They're like cotton candy. So it's like, am I good with that? No. So, you know, I picked up my first book about these type of things and, uh, you know, I, I like self-teaching and, and self-learning. So like, it's just like trended upward. What was the book that you first picked up? Yeah. The first book I picked up was You Are Here by Thich Nhat Hanh. And that's all about, um, if anybody in the audience doesn't know, like Thich Nhat Hanh was like a Zen master monk. We just lost him like last year. Um, but he teaches in that book so precisely and beautifully the power and skill set of presence And I had never been present truly, probably since I was a kid, you know? So like when you feel that and experience that because it is an experience, it's like, oh my God, I just felt something that I didn't know existed. It's a whole nother fucking reality, vibration, frequency. I want more of that because it felt, it feels good deep. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. No, I love that. And, uh, I love that you remembered which book it was because I'm sure you've read like many since, since then, but I also, I also remember like the first book that kind of got me in the journey was the four agreements. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. I was in a motorcycle class and, um, I went to one of the persons there for lunch and he was like cleaning out his garage. He's like, have you ever read this book? And I was like, no. And he's like, well, it's a good one. He just gave it to me. And it was like the start, you know, it's weird how the universe kind of interjects at different points in your life. Absolutely. That's a great book too, by the way. Okay. And so you went on this journey where you were self-learning and I'm sorry to hear about uh, your stepbrother, by the way. Oh, thanks. Um, How old were you when that happened? 23. I think I was 23. Okay. So you got this wake up call like fairly young. Yes. Thank God. (laughs) Thank God. Okay. And then how many years uh, were you on this like self-development journey until you had your son? 
Uh, I had my son at 24. And then, so like I had just started my journey the year prior to him being born. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but already like I had already devoured like all of Thich Nhat Hanh's, uh, library and, and, you know, Eckhart Tolle and like, you know, like I was already like in, in the, in the game with that whole thing. Um, because I, I started the journey on the Buddhist, um, vein. Right. And so that's evolved over time, but you know, that was a great introductory situation. You know what I mean? And so that's, you know, Zen pig, you know, and it's just, that's where it came from. That's so awesome that you would get your inspiration <laughs> from that. Okay. And so can you tell us like what an average day used to look like versus what it transformed into after this journey? Totally. Uh, in terms of my, my business journey or my spiritual journey? Well, so you are, it feels like you were one person before when you were chasing all of the, you know, the thrills versus now, and I'm sure it's totally evolved over time, but can you give us, is it an extreme difference as far as like daily habits and stuff go, or is it like the same? I, I can't even tell you like 180 degrees different, like 180 degrees different, like that pales in comparison to what it actually was. Like I cannot overemphasize, overstate what a difference it is. It's, it's dead versus alive. I mean, I mean, it's a polarity. It's a different polarity. It's a different reality. It's a different everything. So, so, what, did, so what did it look like? Like when before so, you woke up and did what? you wake up, you're like, Oh, you know, you don't, you don't, you're not present. You don't know what's going on around you. You're, you're in your own. This is the thing when you're in those mental chains and shackles, every, you are so lost in your own stories, narratives, fictions. I mean, you don't, you are not even existing in the real world. You are living in a fantasy and often, and and fantasy sounds nice and, and butterflies and fucking bluebirds. It's not fantasy as in you, you just are, are miserable because you can't get enough. You can't achieve enough. You can't, uh, impress the right people. You know, every single thing is this delineage of, narrative that ha- I mean, even talking to a person and then you walk away like, Oh, how did I could have played that differently? Was that good? Was that bad? Like, Oh, how did I look? And blah, blah. I mean, when you are bombarded with constant inner dialogue, it is fucking hell. That's hell. So what does it look like now? All, all of the narratives, because we all have narratives, period. Those aren't going to go away unless you're in the gap of meditation. They're productive. They're, they're nurturing, they're expansive. I mean, it's just life giving versus life draining. So I I don't know if that answers or if that's too nebulous or whatever, but that's what it's, that's what it was like for me. Wow. Okay. And so were, were there any like specific limiting beliefs that you had to let go of or overcome in order to reach this new pinnacle in your life? Oh, hell yes. Yeah, hell yes. I mean, I was a fat, shy, loser kid my entire life. Didn't have my first girlfriend until I was uh, 18. Like, totally that guy, you know, just constantly devouring Star Wars novels and blah, blah, blah. So, like, yeah, I had to let go of a lot of feeling of undeservedness. There was so much of that that I've had to shed and erode. And I like to use the word shed and erode because 
while I do talk about the 180 shift, different polarity, it still isn't in an instant. You still have flashes of those other things. And then, but now you know how not to nurture them and let them die without your attention. So it's like all of those things for sure have to constantly be, they, I mean, it's just like a garden. You have to tend to it. There's going to be some weeds sometimes. So you have to learn how to identify, acknowledge what's a weed, what isn't, what to water, what is, what doesn't deserve your watering. You know, it's like, um, there's a lot of weeds to get rid of. Uh, absolutely. So, but what, what, what do you think caused the feeling of undeservedness in the first place? Cause you named off a lot of things that sure. might've been insecurities, right? I'm not sure, oh, but totally. these, yeah, these yeah. were the things that you, that I'm associating with your feeling of undeservedness, even sure. though, you know, like, cause you're like, I was a star Wars nerd. I was a fat kid. Like, yeah, yeah. but did those things make you feel undeserving or did something else make you feel undeserving? I'm sure. Cause my dad wasn't in the picture. Like he left, like my parents got divorced when we were, I was like probably four, you know what I mean? And like, I had no male role model, grew up in a beauty shop full of women and X, Y, Z, you know, I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't able to communicate with people well, because I was so shy. So like, I'm sure all of that, you know, like grew up very, very poor, you know, didn't live in a neighborhood, didn't have friends outside to play with all that. And that's me saying that I'm not like, poor me. I'm just saying like all of those things that I would go to school and identify, Oh, that's not my reality. I would like that, but that's not my reality. Oh, mom and dad at home. Oh, you guys are going to soccer practice. Oh, you guys are doing that. Oh, you're going to go play tr on the trampoline with your friends after school. Cool. Like I, I, I saw all of that, but I knew that I didn't have that. So like, I'm sure that is some part of the, Oh, the good shit isn't for me. I was wrong. <laughs> Very powerful. I'm so glad that you let us in on that a little bit. Um, because a lot of, I'm not sure if you've seen my content on like father wound also, but a lot of what you just said is very in alignment with what happens when we don't have like a present father or even like a present mother, you know, sure. because if there's a single parent in the household, it's fucking hard to be a parent. I can only imagine I'm not a parent, but I can only imagine. And I can't imagine doing it as a single parent either. It's, it's a lot of work to raise a human being and we never get it right. No matter what, because there's no perfect right. human beings out there. Right. <laughs> but the absence of, of a father. So you never saw your dad at all. Like he, I would see him maybe, you know, twice a month for like two hours a month, you know, like he would pick me up from the beauty shop where my bus dropped me off at my mom's beauty shop, like, and take me to go get, you know, to Applebee's or some shit. You know what I mean? Like it was something like that. And then after dinner, like, then I go back to my mom, you know what I mean? It was very, uh, erratic, not much at all, you know? So it's like, did you, you feel know, like no, you had a close connection with him? No, 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 no. There's okay. no, no, there's no shared experiences. So there's no bond. Okay. How do you feel like, how, do you feel like that's affected your role as a father now? Oh yeah. It's made me on fire to be like ultra present, ultra like invested. Like I'm just fucking invested, man. Like, and like I told, like I tell Noble this too. It's like, I just, I don't care what he does. I don't care if he's a trash man. I don't care if he's a lawyer or whatever, but like, I just want to show him what his name means. His name is noble. Like I want to like, just live up to that dude. Like, let me show you how that's done. You know, like let's, let's get to work on that. That's beautiful. Also, that's a really cool name. 
Thank you. Yeah. I have the most generic name in the world, Mark Joseph Brown. So it's like, (laughs) I don't, I don't think there could be anything more generic. So I was like, you know what? Your name is Noble Ariston Brown. Sorry. I can't do anything about your last name. That is so funny, dude. Yeah. You could change your name if you wanted to, but you know, I might do it. I I actually posted on Instagram a few weeks ago, probably a couple of months ago. And I was just like, Hey, I'm thinking about these names. What do y'all think? Like, I might do it. I'm crazy enough to fucking do it. I don't care. It's not so crazy. What would you change it to? What are you thinking? I had some out there, like almost sci-fi names, like not super sci-fi, but like Atlas or like shit like that. You know what I mean? Like I had like three super sci-fi. I mean, that's like a, that's like a normal name. Is it? Yeah, dude, I, I, you know, ever since Gwyneth Paltrow named her kid Apple, I think the internet has been oh, broken yeah. for names. <laughs> you know? Yes. Anyway, we digress because I wanted to ask, going back to the more serious topic, you know, what yeah. is your relationship like with your father now that you're you're older and you've had time to process a lot of things? Like, is there yeah. any relationship there now or? Yeah, I mean, I call him, you know, a couple of times a week, check on him just to make sure, you know, and I, and like, I forgive everything that he didn't do because I understand that like, that's, that's also a a fault of mine too, is like harboring that expectation, like that he does X, Y, Z. Like he didn't tell me that that was me saying, I expect you to blah, blah, blah. So like, and also I know that he didn't do those things out of fear. Like he's, he's a very fearful guy, very fearful. So like, I hear, and, and having a kid now, like I fucking get the fear thing. I just wish he had saw the fear and said, I'm going to do it anyway, instead of, oh shit, this is scary. I'm going to dip out. You know what I'm saying? But so like, I forgive him for that. I understand. And fear is a bitch. So, I mean, like, all right, dude, like, you know, you, you didn't do that, but what, you know, it is what it is. Sometimes I think some of the greatest lessons we can learn from our parents is like taking the lesson and the blessing from what they didn't teach us. Or like, you know, when when you talk about fear, I'm sure that you try to live your life in as little fear as possible now because of that. And one of the things my dad taught me was um, being like honest, like full of integrity, like doing what you say you're going to do, because when you get told a lot of times that something's going to be done or you're going to go do something and then it doesn't happen, you get like disappointed all the time. And you're like, I just don't (laughs) want to create this feeling in anyone. And also courage, right? Like the courage to own up to your mistakes. And sometimes we just see how our parents just fail so miraculously that we're like, okay, I'm going to be the opposite of this. Um, and I love how you also brought up you know, children, we see our parents as like these gods, right? Like totally. the, we, we, we almost worship them as kids because they're yeah. all that we know and they're how we learn about the world. But when you become an adult, you almost realize, holy shit, they're really just a human and they didn't totally. know what they were doing and they're Hell not perfect. Man. And I had all these expectations about what a parent should be because I was comparing them to like right. my kids, friends, family and stuff. And it's really humbling almost. Oh my God. Yes. It's a real, yeah, absolutely. It's a real thing. (laughs) So as you, as you continue to be a father, what do you hope that your son will come out of this world knowing or come out of childhood knowing? I just want him to, I truly honest to God, I just want him to know how to navigate his inner world because truly, honestly, that's been my biggest struggle had, you know, and 
because I know what a life changing skill set that is, that's truly all I want him to, to know. I don't care about anything else. I don't care. Like as long as you can navigate your inner world and learn how, how to give yourself what you need, dude. Oh my God. You're, you are, you won. That's the game. That's the whole fucking game. <laughs> do you think it's harder or not necessarily harder, but do you think it's hard for boys to grow up in the, in the day and age that we're in right now with like the feminist movement and things like that? I absolutely. And, and I will, I will bring it down one further to like Western in the Western culture right now. Like I, I, I don't even know. And, and this is something that I, I, for the past couple of years, like I've, I've really, truly, honestly struggled with is like this, this demonization of masculine energy. There are, there are on both sides of the pendulum toxic on both sides. Right. Like, but, but the past couple of years or whatever, like the utter, um, like shame that people should feel for having any sort of masculine energy. is just like off the fucking charts. I don't even, I don't even know what to do about it, but all I can do is like deal with my own narratives and put out those fires. Right. And so how are you helping your son navigate this? What are you teaching him or, you know, how do you, how do you go about this world? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I try to let him know that, that, here, here's some guardrails. Like you can do whatever you want in within those guardrails, right? Like just do that. But like, if you go outside of those, then you're going to get into like real trouble. I mean, like, just think of it like quicksand, you know what I mean? Like outside of those guardrails, there's going to be some quicksand. So, you know, everything that we take on in terms of like his learning or his extracurriculars or whatever, you know, I try to set clear boundaries and expectations of like, you know, this is probably, these are some thoughts you're going to have. These are some experiences you're going to have. Let me give you some tools so that you can transmute as much as you can. And if you, and if you find a situation that you don't know how to navigate, come to me, I'm a resource, trust me. And I'm very clear with him. Like, Hey dude, like I've messed it all up, dude. Like I've, I've dude, I've done everything that you can do to fuck up, man. Like, so come to me and I will help you through it because that's ultimately all I care about is helping you journey well. And so that's, that's all I can do for him. Cause ultimately I am not going to be there in every situation he faces. My job is to fill his toolbox with as many tools and make him as resourceful as he can be. And that's, that's one of the biggest lessons I've, I'm trying to integrate him in with now is being resourceful because I wasn't for a long time. Um, so if I make him resourceful and I give him all the tools, dude, he's going to be fine. He's going to be fine. So that's, that's my whole objective. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Well, and that being said, we talk about having a toolbox, but then you also said, here are the, here are the guardrails, right? Sure. Do you think yeah, it's yeah. important that we operate within the guardrails of what society claims as, you know, appropriate or hell no, I hell no, because <laughs> okay, I know, I I know. hell no. <laughs> I'm talking about guardrails of, uh, of tried and true principles and values. I don't give a rat's ass what MSM tells us is societally correct or whatever. I don't 
fucking care. What I'm saying is here's evergreen values and principles that make you level up, have more harmony and peace and everything else good. And here is shit that if you go down this path, you're going to be in quicksand. You're going to have to find a way out or you're going to die. And I don't mean literally, I mean, energetically. So, you know, I, I hope that answers the question, but I mean, Absolutely. It answered the question. So that being said, going back to like when you're talking about masculinity and how society really shames masculine energy or stereotypes or whatever it is, what do you define as masculinity or being a masculine man? Sure. Yeah. Um, So this is what I I think. Like I was, I, I didn't even know this until like four or five years ago, but like I had completely operated under the feminine energy. Like I was afraid to be competitive. I was afraid to want, I was afraid to desire. And I think those are masculine energies. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like my job is to connect and commune with source and, and my higher purpose, and then bring about that into the world. My job is to birth those things, you know, impregnate this reality with what my higher purpose is. That's my job. And so like, that's masculine energy, you know, before that I was, oh, I don't want to offend anybody. Oh God, I, I don't know if I should do that. I mean, oh, these people over there don't have this. And I guess I shouldn't have that. And like, it's just, it's like, it's too willy nilly. You know what I mean? Like stand up and say, I, I see this, I feel this purpose and I'm going to bring it about into reality. I'm not, I mean, you do that with integrity. You do that with honesty. You do that with, um, compassion, but you still do it. You know what I mean? And stop being so fear-based, which is what I was. Right. Well, at first you described it as you were too much in your feminine energy. And then you started talking about how you were fear-based and everything. So this bothers me a little bit because then it feels like we're associating the feminine energy with being willy-nilly, being fear-based, being like, oh no, uh, no I don't no, want to no. do things. So I just want to clear it up though, because yeah, as a female, I have a lot of masculine energy and I used to also think that feminine energy was weak as fuck. I yes. was like, I'm not going to be in my feminine because no. it doesn't get me shit because I had, I don't want to say weak female representation, but I didn't yeah. have empowered female representation in my life. Right. All I had was right. masculine men who were also weak masculine men. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Totally. I was very self-sufficient and, and part of uh, just being self-sufficient is just being in pure survival mode. And so sure. can you give your perspective on what feminine energy is then to just kind of like, what does that look like? Yeah. And I want to be clear too. Like I am not the person that believes that you're all one. I'm a person that believes in balance in all things. We're the yin and the yang. Exactly. So like I am also, I also harbor feminine energy, but I also am not afraid to harbor the masculine now. So that was like such a, I just have to emphasize how important it was that you said that, uh, being awesome. able to harness the masculine energy. I'll let yeah. you continue, but I want to start oh, yeah, back yeah. around to that. I don't want to forget. Okay, it. sure. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I feel like the feminine is the compassionate, empathetic, nurturing, life giving macro view. I think it's so needed because it, it controls the, oftentimes in, in a toxic way, the masculine energy is really egocentric, wants to, you know, take over, crush, expand the empire bullshit. And I think 
you know, that's not great. <laughs> you know what I mean? So does that answer your question on what I think feminine is? Like, it's not, it's not weak. I, there's not a universe as, as raised by a single mom. I, you can bet your last nickel that I don't <laughs> think the feminine is weak. Trust me. Yeah, no, I love that you, I just wanted to get your perspective on both. Sure. Um, because you also said something so important about how we all have both masculine and feminine energy. A yeah. person who is balanced will have a healthy dose of, of both. Like you, if you are too far into the masculine, quote unquote, that's when you start to feel toxic. And if, if you are crushing your feminine energy, you allow no space for feminine energy to come into your life. And that's where we get like the Andrew Tates of the world, I believe. Like yes, he's, totally. he's completely trying to crush his ability yeah. to be vulnerable, his ability to yeah, love, yeah. his ability to cherish. And because of that, he doesn't, he's not inviting yeah. for women. And that's why a lot of women hate him, right? Because they can sense that he doesn't, you know, he doesn't resonate. And then also I'm going to bring up a name too, Drew Afalo. I think that's her name. I don't um, know. She's got like 7 million followers on TikTok and she got famous because she just bashes men okay, um, yeah. because, but she bashes men who like shit on fat people and whatever. So it's not yeah. like a hundred percent, but yeah. it really is kind of like fighting fire with fire. And I just feel yeah. like when we are so extreme at either end, yeah. we're really missing the point. Oh my God. And we're only perpetrating it. That's the thing is like, Andrew Tate and, and whoever this other, they're just perpetrating the problem. I mean, anytime you paint with such a broad stroke, like men versus women, like, you know, like that's such a broad stroke. You can't have any detail or nuance or anything else. And it's, it's honestly ignorant. You know what I mean? Like those, those, those broad strokes are never going to paint a masterpiece period hard stop. So and, and, you know, like there are times when I do get triggered about, you know, cause we live in a time when both of those things are like, that's the new tribes. That's the new teams now for whatever reason. And, uh, for whatever reason, that seems to be a vulnerable part to me, but I refuse to, to get involved with it because I like, it's like, I'm not, I'm not doing that. I'm, I'm past that shit now. Like it ain't men versus women. I'm sorry. You know, like that's, that's next level. Crazy. That's peak insanity. Crazy. Absolutely. We're all way more nuanced than that. Absolutely. I totally agree. And sometimes I get triggered too, even though I'm a men's coach. Sometimes sure. um, I, I think people forget that I'm still a woman. And so when I hear things like in the ether about like women, women's value declining after the age of 35, that was something that set me off the other day because I had a friend calling me crying because they're like yeah. 37 and yeah. just like, you know, just weeping, just sad. Like I never questioned my self-worth before, but sure. then I have this 28 year old guy telling me not to become a cat yeah. lady. And I was just like, it just like yeah. infuriated me because totally. I was like, there's, there's no, there's no chance on this planet that like, we should be thinking these things. This is absurd. Absolutely. And that's the thing is like, I, I see you and I hear you in that because I, like I said, I struggle with those trigger points too. Um, so I get that a hundred percent, but I mean, I think about it kind of like, I'm like to myself, I just say, okay, that's a test. That's a test for me. Am I going to, am I going to bite? Am I going to bite on that bait? Because Andrew Tate wants people to bite on that fucking bait. Like that's what he wants. You know what I mean? I'm not, I'm not biting it. I'm like, Oh God, I want to, you know, cause that's I mean, so it's like, what is our ability to practice awareness and understanding and see things yeah. from a different, different perspective. Like I use it as almost a test too, of like, how can I, 
How can I understand? Because if we don't, we just start to fight yeah. fire with fire, right? And that never, yeah. like you said, it never creates a masterpiece. So it's like, when when I want to change something, how can I word it in a way that is going to help them understand that there's a different way to see things? Right? Absolutely. Totally. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think just embodying that that's what I try to do is like embody. Like I like, let's say whatever her name is, talk shit about men, men ain't shit, blah, blah, blah. Like I just, I'm just gonna fight that with trying to embody the best person I can be. Like, that's all, that's the only thing I can do. Like I can scream and yell and beat my chest and say, I'm not like that, blah, blah, blah. Who gives a fuck? Like, like I, I just have to be, I have to be what I have to be. And you'll see, you know, like, okay, he's journeying differently. Okay, fine. And they, I mean, it's just such a broad stroke. I don't know. Well, I love that. And that being said, I feel like we kind of live life in a similar atmosphere, but I want to, I want to understand if you do, do you get involved in like things like politics or movements or anything like that? I don't. And I, do you I watch the news. I I, hell no. I don't watch the news. Hell <laughs> no. I don't watch the news. Are y'all crazy? Hell no. I, I, but what if I, you're not informed? Hey, look, any, That's what people I, say, do you vote? No, I mean, trust me, when I talk to my parents, they, they say the same things to me, but look, if I, if I don't have a mechanism in which to change it, um, directly or directly, I practice energetic hygiene. So like, okay, so start here with myself, then my friends and family, and then go out like way over here in fucking Croatia or wherever the hell I have no I don't care how many degrees you go out. I'm not going to be able to do anything. What I can do is what principles and values do I believe in? What is my platform to, to share that positivity and productive uh, mindset? That's what I can do. And then maybe, you know, one to many, you know, speak one to many. Okay. So here's the values. I'm just, I'm deploying that to, you know, a hundred thousand people. Okay, one of those 100,000 people may have that chain link to Croatia, maybe. But me, Mark Brown, I don't. But here you go. I'm going to communicate in a productive, positive, nurturing way. And like, that's the best I can do. Absolutely. I love everything that you're saying because I operate like the same way. (laughs) Because if you think about it too, it's not like we don't care about what's going on or we don't want to be informed or want to be involved. But truly, the only thing you ever have control over is how you perceive yourself, how you perceive the world, and how you're displaying that to the world. And that being said, like the more you can vibrate those beliefs and those ethics to the people around you, the more you can influence their energy and they can spread that. And that's how you impact a better well-being for other places, I think. Because if I'm just sitting here over here anxious about Ukraine or whatever, What am I actually doing? I'm just spreading yeah. anxiety. I'm just spreading totally. chaos. I'm just spreading panic. Absolutely, uh, totally, absolutely. You're just perpetrating the problem. And I think, and and this is going to maybe trigger some people, but I think the people that are like rah rah rah, taking up arms against things that they actually don't know the nuances and nitty gritty of. Okay, so like they're doing this public facing, blah, blah, blah. Like that's pretty egotistical. Like you, you want this change to happen from your hand. That's what you want. You want that fucking credit inside too, to say, I changed that. I did that. It's like, okay. Yeah. That, okay. There's like 19 variables between the thing changing and you. And like, 
you wanting that celebratory thing, like, dude, hey, man, it's, what's that old saying about like, when's the best time? Like the, the person that plants a fucking tree, they're not happy. You know, they'll never see, they'll never experience the shade of the tree, right? You know what I'm talking about? That's what I'm saying. It's like these people are like, they want to experience the shade of the tree that they're planting today. It's like, bro, that's not happening. So get off your high horse, change yourself, change the things you can and get over it. You know, like. Okay. That being said, I have another question for you that might also trigger some people. How do you feel like people are like sensitive today? I hate to say that because I feel like there's a big narrative about, oh, people are so sensitive and weak nowadays, but I want to know what you think. Define sensitive. Define sensitive. I don't know. How do you take it? (laughs) Do I think I know that I was paralyzingly, if that's even a word, sensitive before my journey? Okay. In what way? If anybody, not only if anybody said anything, but if I felt like they thought anything negative about me. Okay. That's peak insanity. Yeah. So like I was way too fucking sensitive at certain point you have to say it there when you are walking through this reality and you are communicating with multiple points of reality and perspectives you got like, it's how fucking egotistical of it was me to try to control everybody's narrative of me. That's fucking egotistical. I know I was a writer and director and I wanted to control every single thing about the scene and this, but Hey, I don't get that power in the real world. You know what I mean? Like stay in my lane, stay in my lane. So yes, I think people try because they're too sensitive. They want, they, they're too soft in the fact that they can't handle it. They can't handle. I think we also grow up. We're, we're starting to shift into like this politically correctness. That is almost like, if you don't, agree with my sensitivity, you are victim shaming or you're toxic or you're, you know, like you're not being inclusive. And the only reason I bring this up is because I'm not sure if you saw this story that I deleted it already, but I commented, someone made like a sandwich video and they put two slices of Turkey on there. Okay. And I made a comment that was not necessary, but I made it anyway, because I'm a human and I wanted to make it. I said, I don't understand people or I said, I don't understand how people can put two slices of meat on a sandwich and be okay. That's what I said. <laughs> yeah. Because I'm a person who likes a lot of meat on my sandwich. Yeah, of and course. Then the person got so offended by this. It was blew my mind. They were like, I don't understand how people just assume things. What if those were like, I can't even literally believe that this is, they literally says to me, what if those were my last two slices of Turkey? It was my only last two slices left. And, you know, everybody should be able to have a sandwich the way they want. It's my sandwich. And I was like, great, have it the way you want. I just didn't understand. And then somebody, they were like, oh, it's so ironic that you're a mental health person, but you're attacking someone about their sandwich on the internet. And I was like, who did I attack? How is that attacking someone? You feel attacked because I said, you, why did you only put two slices dirty on there? Yeah. It's, it's, it's just, I'm not going to accommodate that behavior that, that feels wrong to me. You know what I mean? Like, it's a thousand percent it's wrong. It's, it's insanity. It's peak insanity. And that's like when we were talking earlier in our conversation about how, you know, the past couple of years, like, I don't even know, like, so it's just like fucking whirlwind. Cause I mean, honest to God, 
I've, I've had to, because just like you said, that's a, who gives a fuck? It's a two pieces of turkey on a sandwich. Like, and you are, you know, you're getting labeled as a problem that basically they're saying you're a problem. And so like what I've had to do is like, okay, like I'm not going to get out of this world without random ass people slapping labels on me. Like, and especially the last couple of years, oh my God, like people are, people have a label fetish. I swear. They just want to fucking label They We want to be all inclusive yet. We want to put everybody into the most individual box possible. Yeah. And so like now I- what that bursts is me not giving a fuck. Like, okay. Like, okay. I don't fucking care anymore. Label me all day. Like, okay. My, okay. <laughs> optimal thick skin has been achieved. Got it. Okay, cool. Like that's what it, that's what it gives birth to. You know what I mean? Whereas in a, in a sane, understandable way, like, okay, like, all right. Yeah, that makes sense. But now it's like, okay, go for it. Fine. That is, that is a perfect segue into what my next question was going to be, which is how do we, or how do you as a man, we, as in like, how do the men listening to this navigate themselves through this world of such politically correctness, like with all of this narrative being that men aren't shit or their dogs or like whatever, you know, because I hear it all the time. Like my TikTok is full of that shit. Like the algorithm knows they, they can like sense that it's like, Oh man, that got him. That's triggering him. I'm going to give him some more of that shit, but I don't, I don't like or comment it. It just, it just knows for some reason. I don't honestly, like the only thing you can fucking do. And this is what I I've come to learn for myself. The only thing that I can do is choose how to live my life and also choose because our mind is a citadel. We have to fucking have guards around our mind. And when I see this men ain't shit, gaslighting, love bombing, narcissist, I mean, it's fucking constant stream of this bullshit. Uh-uh, you ain't getting through to my consciousness. I've got fucking guards behind guards behind guards. You aren't going to pollute my worldview. I don't give a damn. That's what you have to do. You have to build the inner tools to protect your mind and your consciousness and live your life in your values and your principles. That's all you can do because this fucking little trend that's been happening for the last couple of years, it's not going to last. It's going to implode. So don't fucking get involved. Don't give it attention. I love that. I love it. That's the number one thing, right? Like, you don't have to have such strong guards if you're not constantly giving it attention. And that's something that I had to do with my TikTok as well, because I had people being like, you're a woman. What do you know about men? You know, like it's, it's a logical question, but when you see all this awful stuff about you all the time, it starts to wear you down. So, uh, and sorry for everybody who comments on my TikToks, I pretty much stopped reading the comments. Um, but I had to, for my own mental health and I had to just focus on the mission right? Focus on what I wanted to do to help people focus on. And, and even about women too. Like if I start to read negative stuff about women, like I have to just exit, I have to exit that matrix because if you're feeding something, know that it's going to grow. What you recognize, you energize, (laughs) what you recognize, you energize, stop recognizing, look the other way. Fuck that shit. Wow. That was like, a burst of energy from sorry i just deaths. i'm just <laughs> i just don't i'm tired of people like, suffering man i'm tired of people suffering too, i i understand i feel you i'm so glad yeah. that you joined me today on this podcast because your energy is so refreshing um and i know that we are coming down to time 
So I want to ask you, Mark, for any man that's kind of like going through something, sure. maybe they're they're about to become a father, they're on this sure. self journey, and they're fucking scared, you know, yeah. like we all are at times. What words of wisdom would you give to that man to look forward to the future? Dude, listen to me. If you're out there, trust me, I've been on the fucking canvas, okay? Like big time. I've been on the canvas, been divorced, all the shit, you name it, been there, done that. All right. Stop looking outwardly and look inwardly. Do whatever you can to get 15 minutes of alone time, sacred time to commune with source yourself. Learn your higher purpose. Don't fucking seek validation and affirmation from the outside world. Do whatever you can to fucking articulate what you are put in this timeline, this reality in this world for, and just take baby steps one step at a time. Have the macro in view. That's fine. Don't expect to get there tomorrow. Just go one step at a time. Any progress is great fucking progress. Hard stop. And I fucking believe in you and you got this, dude. Love that. Love that. Love that you said 15 minutes just for yourself. Cause that's what I tell all of my clients like first day as well. We cannot, we cannot commune with source if we are constantly filling our schedule with, with things and people and, and distractions outside of ourselves. Beautiful. And uh, I'm going to put all of Mark's uh, bio, his resources, his book in the show notes, get his book, Zen pig, amazing, amazing resource for children and adults zero through 99. As he said, thank you yeah. so, so much for being here today, Mark. This was awesome. So enlightening. Um, and we'll see you next time guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye.